when you walk into something you're supposed to be doing, things fall into place. It's Absolutely. not easy. I mean, it's not easy. Sometimes I get to the point where like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and then and then I'd ask for help and then the next thing would would come that I needed. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Ribbons, your host for Next, a podcast dedicated to telling relatable stories that inspire a fluid approach to life, purpose, and to navigate change. Okay, welcome to Stacey DeWitt. I am so excited you're here. Um, let me talk to everyone a little bit about Stacey. Uh, she has a background or had a background as a bilingual teacher for young children and a tutor in all subjects and ages. And she loved her work with children. Uh, but when she was faced with the reality of finding resources and support for a helpless little girl with no parents, she pivoted into to her an unknown talents of social entrepreneurialism and business to quickly address a larger problem, foster children and the resources gap that exists for their transition into safety. She knew she was being called to fill a need and soon the first warehouse was open in May 2014. Stacy DeWitt has successfully built a privately funded nonprofit organization and has served over 5,000 children Wow, and accomplished so much more. Welcome, Stacey. I'm so, so pleased that you're here today. Oh, it's um, such an honor to be here with you. Um, thank you. I, I really love your motto, um, from cribs to college, and how you saw this need. And you were called, really. You were looking, you kind of were saying, I, I'm, I'm ready to do something meaningful and helpful, and um, how can I help? And this came to you. So can you kind of give me the background of of how that unfolded? Because our listeners probably want to know, how did she go from being a teacher and a tutor to running this really successful nonprofit? And I really would love some stories, too, about the the lives that you impact. Because I know, personally, I know it's really meaningful, really powerful. So I'd love to let you go ahead and start uh, with how it began. Yeah. So um, I've always had a love for children and uh, Spanish is my second language. So I was always drawn to that population. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes um, at at the school where I was teaching, I would end up with the kids that have the least resources. Um, So I would do home checks and find out why the kids are coming to school dirty or why are they so tired? And oftentimes it was because they didn't have a washer and dryer or they were sleeping on the floor. So that made sense why they were so tired. Um, So I've always had a love for kids and really the, and the families that are caring for them and what could I do to help them to improve their living conditions. And so that's kind of how I ran my classroom. It wasn't just like the eight to three, I would be part of their lives too. And my husband and I also really love adoption. So we had our two biological boys and then we always were drawn to adoption. So we adopted our daughter when she was nine months old. She was um, in the heart of Guatemala city in a little orphanage. Mm-hmm. And we got to bring her home and um, when when she was 10 months old. And so um, we're just so drawn to populations and to people that are that might need a little encouragement or help because who doesn't need help? I know what it's like to receive help and encouragement. It can change your life. So that's kind of how that's was. That's my heart behind it. And then about 
um, eight or nine years ago, my husband and I just sat on our living room floor and we are prayers. And we, we said, God, like what breaks your heart for our community? And we want to do something about it. So what could that be? And I wasn't really expecting an answer right away. I, I expected it to be like a process. But right away, it was impressed upon our hearts that it was foster care. And so I am a doer, which is maybe not my, my strongest suit. Um, so right away, I was calling every foster care agency or anybody that had anything to do with foster care to try and volunteer or to learn more. And I never got a single phone call back or a single email. Um, and I just couldn't understand why. But as I look back, it all makes sense because we were about to embark on a, a journey that had never been done in our community, um, a new thing. And so during that time of trying to figure out what it could be in foster care that we could help, mm -hmm. um, we met with our friend. I met with like four friends. Every Tuesday, we went to Stonehouse and we got coffee we know and that we, place. <laughs> <laughs> I love that place. And love everyone just, does. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And so we would just get coffee and we would just talk about what we could do. And we would take a few minutes to pray. And just like, we don't want to do anything that we're forcing to happen in foster care. We just want it to kind of come to us. And what could that be? So not pushing it, but just being open and keeping our eyes open, keeping our hearts open. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was during that like time of just being open to what might be the next step. Um, I got a phone call one morning to come pick up a three-year-old at the Palm Garden Hotel in Newbury Park. And so I dropped everything, got in my car, drove over there, and the police officer was standing outside and he, he just handed her to me and she was wearing oh. a wet diaper oh. and had an empty sippy cup and that is all she had. Um, just the sweetest little three-year-old you could ever imagine with big blue eyes and her teeth were in terrible condition. Um, I imagine she just like had a bottle of juice like all the time to keep her quiet. Um, so just, just so the listeners understand, this was a, a situation where that child had to be removed quickly from a, a yes. situation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they call, started to call relatives who can pick up, who can come get her. Yeah. Um, so that they, and then, then social workers got involved. So this was an emergency placement. And so I brought her home and, um, and I didn't have anything for her. I didn't have the next diaper for a diaper change. I didn't have any clothes. She just had on a diaper. I needed clothes for her. And so I started to make some calls. Um, our neighbors had kids, my sister-in-law had kids and to try to get some resources but it was during that time of receiving a child with no belongings and working with the social workers, um, we realized there are hundreds of families in our community who would take in a child in need if they had some help. Yeah. And so then I start, I went back to our Tuesday at Stonehouse and I'm like, we gotta, we gotta do, we gotta do this. Like, I love that. Maybe we need a warehouse. And then we were like, okay, now the dream is starting to form. And so then, we were like, well, what does it cost to have a warehouse? And so we made some phone calls and we decided that like, okay, so if we raised $100,000, we would be able to have a warehouse and offices and all the bills would be paid for two years. And during that two year period, we could see if we could 
fund it. If we could start getting monthly donors, if we could start getting grants, um, let's see if we can make this self-sustainable. And so we brought that idea back to our church. My husband pastors our little church, Kineo Church, and everybody was in. They're like, let's do it. Tiny church, 100 people, but everybody has like just great faith and they love kids and believe in our community. And so in, within nine months, we raised the money. Wow. Such fun stories of how the money came in and how people were sacrificing the, the high schoolers were saving their tips and from, you know, their waitressing jobs or waiter jobs. And it just was so fun to come together and see this dream happen for kids Yes, to be a blessing. And, and it brought joy by them being able to do and help yeah. their life too. Yeah. One yeah. of my favorite, favorite stories was Joseph. So he was 17 at the time and he was managing Presto Pasta in Newbury Park. Yes, I and know. He had, yeah. he had saved a stack of cash, all of his tips. He didn't use any of his tips for himself. But um, one Sunday morning, he brought it all forward. And it was just like, it made us all cry happy tears to see like, even the high schoolers were in. They're like, we believe in this dream and we can make this happen for our community and for hurting kids. And um, so, yeah, just cool, cool stories of miraculous ways that money came in. Yeah, that is incredible. So then that money came in and what is the warehouse for people just come and drop off um, companies supply? How does that all work? And who organizes that? Like, how did you start with that. How did you even know to do that? <laughs> you know what? That's the cool part is when you walk into something you're supposed to be doing, things fall into place. Absolutely. It's not easy. I mean, it's not easy. Sometimes I get to the point where like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and then, and then I'd ask for help. And then the next thing would, would come that I needed. Um, but we are in our, our new resource center. But at the time in 2014, we were in our first resource center. So our warehouse and offices, mm-hmm. um, we had 1400 square feet. And that was a good place to start for us. Um, so we actually, we literally would walk through the rooms and we're like, what do you think we need? I don't know. What do you think we need? How about a whiteboard? We need a whiteboard to get organized, you know, like bit by bit. And then we're like, you know what? We, I think we need some shelves because we need to like, we need to have clothes in here and we need to have room for strollers and cribs and feds and like, where are we going to get the shelves? And so we, we, my husband looked on Craigslist and somebody was closing out their warehouse. And they gave <laughs> oh us this, like this like amazing deal. So we have these like, like Costco size shelves in our warehouse where they're like so sturdy and they're like, sure, take the extra ladder. And they just, they wanted to help us. They're closing out their business. And so bit by bit, there was no blueprint, but during this time, I was thinking in my mind, I really want to keep this simple so this is reproducible so that I can help other people in other cities, in other states, in other places in the world, Absolutely. which, which yeah. this is, ha- which this is actually happening. Um, it so is? It, yes, oh yes, gosh. yeah. So I'm finding out as I go that it's, really fun. I enjoy empowering other people to do what they're called to do. Wonderful. So you sort of have a template of how you put it all together mm-hmm. and other people call on you and say, you know, we, we, we want to do the same thing in our community and you're able to kind of, well, you're a teacher. So this is natural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're able to just show them step by step, but I also want to point out something super important here. And it was that group at the stone house having coffee and praying saying, you know, 
we know that we want to do something, but we're going to stay open. That's that. I call that the space of grace where you, you are sort of letting go like the trapeze, letting go and knowing that you're going to land on the other one, but you have to be in that space of grace of, of knowing that, okay, I'm showing up. I know I want to do this thing, but I'm not going to put a name on it. I'm not going to try to, to put my ego in there. I'm just going to show up. And when you do that, that's when things start to happen, right? Yes, that is exactly, you know. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And all the stories that I hear too, it's when we align ourselves with that, when we kind of just push our ego aside, it's not like, well, I'm doing this new thing. You know, it's not about that. It's more about I'm showing up humbly asking, how can I be of service? And that's when the doors start to open. And I'm just so touched by what you've done. It's it's really extraordinary. And I I didn't know that you are also helping other communities to learn how to do this, which is huge and powerful. So we'll have to make sure that people can reach out to you and um, if they're, if they're wanting to do something like yes. this. So you get people donating because I know um, your network, probably everyone knows someone. And yes. if they have beautiful things that they want to, like the warehouse person getting rid of their warehouse, or they, they call you and you guys are able to take donations, right? Yes. That's exactly right. Wonderful. And so, so tell me some of the stories, because not only this is all about transition and my, my podcast is about people that are in transition, trying to figure out what their next is. And these are children who are vulnerable and helpless that need to, to have support into their next, as well as this is really impactful to me too. The, the thankful for the foster care system, but at the same time, when they're 18, they're sort of let go. And they're sort of just, so there's no support around them. And this is something important that you're providing for them, uh, sort of getting them on their way. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. For the aging out youth? Yes. Aging out youth. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this, I've always had a love for, for little ones, for children, but this has grown the, the older ones. My heart is so for them. I didn't even know how much I would care about them and their transition to independence. And there are so many practical ways to help them. Mm -hmm. They are resilient and beautiful and have dreams. And what could we do to just like give them the, an opportunity. So this was the first aged out youth that I helped. So she had, um, she had a voucher for housing down in Ventura And a social worker said, you know, she needs some help. So I went to her place. She had a studio Mm. and she had a tiny little, like um, tiny little kitchen where she, you know, could cook a little bit. Mm. And then she had absolutely nothing else, no belongings other than like a little box with clothes. But over in the corner, she had some college textbooks I, I saw over there. So I just sat down with her on the floor and said, what are your dreams? I see you have some textbooks. Are you going to college? And she said, yes, that she wanted to become, um, she wanted criminal justice to be her major. And so I just got to know her a little bit. And I asked her, well, so I'm, I'm here to help you set up your, your apartment. And what do you think you need? And she thought for a while, and she honestly didn't know the things that she needed. She was overwhelmed. And no, nobody to help her. So she had that feeling of being overwhelmed where you don't know where to start. And she had never been in a proper home. So she didn't have a vision for what it could be like. So let's be honest as parents, 
you know, we, we guide our children and we give them that, you know, a space to decide like you just did with this young woman, but at the same time, they do need our guidance still. So that's what is so alarming to me at 18. They're just not completely ready, you know, so go ahead with your story. Yes, that's exactly right. Like I know my kids, they aren't ready to be on their own in their 18 and 20, you know, like they're, they're not they're They need our help still. And then to have nobody. So anyway, so we made our list of things she needed. She needed some food storage. She needed a bed, you know, like, you know, a little couch and a coffee table and things like that. And um, we made our list. And then I went back to James storehouse and um, we have learned to use our social media like Facebook, Instagram, and put our needs out there and just say, Hey, we're looking for these things. If you have these things, you let us know. And people are so willing to share the, share the post. And then, so then we're making connections in the community and they're saying, I've got this, I've got that. So we were able to gather everything up. And then with help, I brought it back over and helped her set up her first apartment. And I'm not a decorator. So um, when now I have some friends <laughs> that love I know. that, <laughs> yeah. I'm just getting the basics done, but I have friends who have vision for what would look cute and what's trendy now and things like that. But we set up the basics, gave her everything she needed. Um, and then I, some of the youth stay in my life. They will stay in contact with me and we'll get to like do life for a long time. Oh. Um, but I didn't hear from her for a really long time. I saw her a year later at the event. And at a foster care event, and she was in school, she was doing great. She was mentoring younger girls in foster care. So sometimes it just takes just a little bit of love, a little bit of attention saying, I see you in your point of need, let me help. And then it launches them to their next place. And you modeled for her turning around and helping other girls. You know what I mean? You did. You modeled that for her because our parents model so much for us that we don't realize until we're actually doing it. And we're going, Oh my gosh, this is what my mom or my dad did. Or, you know, so there you're just filled in a a really huge role that you didn't even know you were doing. You were sitting on the floor and saying, what is it you want for your life? What do you see yourself doing? And, you know, you really did that parenting thing that, that, Oh my gosh, that's just so touching. I just think that's such a fabulous Um, a story. And I love, you know, I follow you on social media and and the things that you guys are doing, you know, that car for the girl and things like that. We need a car in California, you know, if you work and you're going to get further in life, you need a car. And so things like that are so important. I want to, I love your motto from cribs to college. Um, That is so true because children just need And when we do this, even if they aren't our own children, we are doing something for our whole community. We're doing something for, you know, the betterment of uh, all of us, because we're we're doing our best to give this person every opportunity to to make, you know, good decisions for themselves and and to grow and and have a good life, which it's just really impactful. Um, I love I want to back up a little bit and just talk about the power of networks. And um, I always emphasize that with my kids, you know, and they're younger and they don't really see, they, they understand, but they don't see it completely. And so um, I just say networks are so important. There's getting together in groups and talking, especially women. We achieve so much yeah. with our groups of women talking. Yeah. Um, it is just huge. It's more about all of us talking and then someone says, I know someone. And, and then it just yeah. gets going from there. So I just love all of that. and I. Um, 
I wanted to to kind of get this wrapped up and just ask you for the listeners. Um, you're teaching people how to do this, so they know that they can reach out to you and um, find out how to become a social entrepreneur for a, a what for like what you're doing. Um, you used your network, you, not used, but you just said out loud, "I need help with this," and then someone knew someone that could help you get all the legal yeah. things done for for a, um, a social entrepreneur and a nonprofit because. Yeah. A lot of people will get stuck on the whole, how do we start? I don't know where to begin. Just like that girl sitting in her, and, but we're, we're wanting to do things and we're not sure how we begin. And a lot of times it's our network. It's that, that group yes. of women that we sit and talk with and someone knows someone and we get these little things done one step at a time. And um, it's called James Storehouse and it's in Newberry Park. I also want to say that because if anyone wants to donate or ask if there's help needed or anything like that, they can contact you, right? Yes. Yeah. My email is Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, mm-hmm. at jamesstorehouse.org. Right. And there's and- that double S in there where James and Storehouse meet. Good. So make sure it has the two S's in there, Stacy at jamesstorehouse.org. Beautiful. And then also you're on Facebook. Yes. As a James Storehouse, right? Yes. Yes. And then I see you on LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> is it Stacy or is it James Storehouse? Is it Stacy DeWitt? Yeah, Stacy DeWitt. I have both, but I'm more connected with my personal LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, that those are your social media platforms that you use because then they can go and see what the great work that you're doing and follow you and be able to continue if you ever say a shout out to this. We need that they can um, maybe help in that way too. Yes. Also on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, wonderful. On Instagram too. Okay, great. Well, you know what, Stacey, I'm just so touched by the work that you're doing and how many people um, you have helped and, um, and your team. And I mean, you have a lot to share. You built out a team too that are helping you and they came along and I'm sure your network helped you with that. But I just can't emphasize enough the power of community and of faith and um, just being willing to, to um, know that if you're, if you want to do something, you can put it out there and, and it'll happen for you. So um, thank you again. And um, I wish you the best of luck going into these holidays. Um, I'm sure there's going to be lots of needs and um, I'm just, God bless you for what you do. Uh, Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Enjoy. All right. You're welcome. Thank you again for listening. You can find links to any mentioned resources, mine and my guest social media, and more, all in the show notes at elizabethribbons.com. That's ribbons with one B. Enjoying the show? Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend or coworker. Reviews and word of mouth is still the number one way to learn about new podcasts, so I appreciate it. Until next time.